Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside. Just outside of New York City from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York, Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? Jordan Henderson wants to come home. Who's shocked by that? Uh, Yeah, yeah. He, he dipped his toe in the in the water and eh, maybe found that it's not for him. No, uh, maybe decided that <laughs> it wasn't working out at El Etifac, um on massive, massive, enormous money. And that being club captain of one of the greatest sides in the world, even if you're not guaranteed to play every single game as Jurgen Klopp said he wasn't, is still better than being out there selling your soul. And so in the end, I mean, if he does come back, I don't know what's going to happen, but like, so what will this mean now in the, all of that damage to his reputation and the hit that it all, it was for what it was for four months. Like crazy. <laughs> Absolutely. Crazy. Worth it? I don't know how this works financially. Like what he keeps, if he were to come back now, maybe, maybe <laughs> just four months there financially was enough that it, it actually justifies all of it. I don't know, but <laughs> it just seems, it does. It does seem crazy. It's, it's kind of funny right now. And like, I had no problem with him up until this decision. How could you? Like he's—he seems like he was a genuinely really good player for Liverpool, um, well liked, um, and had a great story. I thought he was a fine captain. I thought it was a total insult to the club the way he acted, just to 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 do what he did to go to the Saudi league. It wasn't—I mean, it wasn't as if he was getting upset and he goes, "Right, I'm signing for Lille, or I'm going to Juve." Or something of that nature. This was like to a, a complete backwater footballing backwater. Um, and then it was a pay, the I mean, he won, it was the payday. He the, he sees oh, the writing yeah, on the, the wall of what his career is in in Europe, and this was a chance for a, a an, going to enormous financial windfall. Oh, it was more than that. It was it was a, a charitable mission. He was okay. going to change. Yeah. That's that's gonna... what he's yes, JJ. That's what his PR team suggested that he say. Is but we not? all but we it, all know what this was about. Uh, it, it's so funny. Uh, <laughs> there's been some great tweets. Um, so, uh, Dean Van Wen, who's, uh, we've, we've talked about some of his articles before, uh, he, he was responding. He, uh, it was Matt Hughes, Jordan Henderson wants to return to the premier league from Saudi Arabia in a move that would cost him millions in lost wages and a huge tax bill. And Dean Van Wen reposted with a picture of George W. Bush at his typewriter from that Simpsons episode where he's just typing (laughs) and he writes above it. Since I'd achieved all my goals of growing the game in the first six-month period, there was no need for a second. And then Barney Rone. A lot of uh, a lot of easy cynicism out there, but if Jordan Henderson is saying he's ready to fix British society, now he's finished with the Gulf. I, for one, back his mission. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I have no sympathy we'll for him. No, I, I don't know where he goes. That's... I, Hi, would you like this aging uh, midfielder who's just played, who's who's alienated an entire group of people and has just played in Saudi Arabia for six months? Yes, uh, yeah, I want him. We'll see. Someone will take him. I mean, he'll play if he wants to be in England again. He'll play, somebody will take him. But yeah, I don't know. It's not immediately obvious who that would be. Uh, JJ, what a pod! What a oh, pod we have coming up. Um, of course, there was a big, huge third round fixture in the FA Cup. 
between Liverpool and Arsenal. So we're going to talk about that. And and you and I, we've said so much, I feel like, about Arsenal that's kind of been, and let's let's be honest, it's sort of been a little bit repetitive over the last few weeks because their problems have been so obvious. Um, so we figured it was a good time to kind of get the perspective of somebody who's really deep in it with that club. And so Andrew Mangan, who's been on this program before of Ars Blog, uh, he's fantastic. They do great work, which we cite on this show regularly. He's going to join us uh, to talk a little bit about what's going on with that club, if it is quite as simple as what we've sort of made it out to be, which feels like they, it's goal scoring. And if that gets fixed, then they'll be great. But we'll talk to him and kind of get a sense of where that fan base is at right now with them. Do a couple other FA Cup things as well. And then, uh, JJ, a little bit later in the pod, um, one of our one of our favorites makes a return here in 2024. Uh, things I saw on the internet is back. Yeah, yeah. Can you believe it? I can actually, I can <laughs> believe it. It's up to us. We make these decisions and <laughs> I, I believe it. Well, yes. Okay. Well, you took the sting out of that one. Yep. I believe it. Uh, but it will be fun. I can't believe how much fun it's going to be. How about that? Uh, so we'll, we'll do that a little later on in the pod. And then a couple transfer updates as we are now in the, the thick of the January window. So a couple, couple things I wanted to mention before we get out at the end of this podcast, but Let's start where we said we would, and that's with the magic, of course, of the FA Cup, the third round, as the Premier League clubs all enter the fray. Uh, and, I mean, as far as third-round fixtures go, good Lord, a couple of Premier League title contenders. That's quite a way to tee it off with Liverpool and Arsenal. And despite the fact that it was at the Emirates, I don't know if you come away altogether surprised that it's Liverpool who walk out of there and advance to the fourth round while Arsenal are going home. Uh, 2-0, it goes to Liverpool. Yeah. Um, Arsenal dominated the first half. Liverpool looked way off it. I mean, it was a patched together Liverpool team. And um, and the second half, Liverpool were better, definitely, but uh, just Arsenal's inability to score. Mm. Liverpool set pieces, free kick, not dealt with. Kivor heads it into his own net. And then the coup de grace at the end when uh, uh, Lucho basically fires one into the top of the net on a breakaway and at the end of a breakaway. And that's that. And it's not like Liverpool played exceptionally well, but they were absolutely ruthless, much, much better in the second half. And, um, and Arsenal are now kind of thrown into the, again, another existential crisis. Although, I mean, it'll be interesting to talk to Andrew, like as a complete Arsenal ophile where he ranks this, as a crisis, a mini crisis, like where his head is at with this. But there were boos at the end of the game, uh, fairly audible ones as well. And so, yeah, it's um, in the context of what's been happening in the league to be dumped out of the cup in this fashion at home. It's just not good. Yeah. Before we we'll get deeper into the Arsenal side, of course, when Andrew joins us um, first on the Liverpool side, I would imagine that for a club with whom there were so many questions circling around as Mo Salah was preparing to leave, what will they be without him? Well, let's be honest, looking ahead to this, we don't know how long the stretch will be, but they won't have him for roughly a month, I, I think he would have to say. Probably not going to get much harder than at Arsenal. So to come out of there and win, I would think that that would have to leave Jurgen Klopp feeling pretty good about the situation moving forward. Definitely, but I still think the things that I said last week count. And the key, the key guys, Diaz and Jota, um, I I still have my question marks. Not about whether he'll be involved. Not about whether he'll be, you know, 
right in the middle of things, but whether Darwin Nunes will be the guy that will score the goals. And I, I, I just think Jota, Jota's so fantastic. When he was introduced, such a brilliant player. Um, I, I just feel like those two guys are massively important to how the rest of the month goes. But this is a, like you said, it's not going to get tougher than Arsenal. That's no. a, a, that is a brilliant result, really. They're in and now, and now expectations have been. Mike the, quad, the quadruple is on now. Um, like I'm not thinking. I certainly not thinking about it. But I'd be lying if I didn't think that other Liverpool fans were. I mean, my phone's blown up with the Anfield Rap app, and I'm you know I'm getting all these reactions. Uh, John, well, Gibbon, I mean, call it like John it Gibbons, is. Like we're in we're in four competitions. You know, we're right, uh, and that's exactly kind of, the, li- kind of you're the favorite right now, arguably in three of them. You could say Liverpool and Man City maybe is a dead heat right now, but like, are, you're probably the favorite in the Carabao. You might be the, among the favorites in the FA Cup and in the Premier League. Yeah, it's and great. In the, it's, and in the Champions League, you're never far off from top three in that. So it's it, great. But I start I, thinking about it. I'll lose. I lose all the rest of those gladly to win the Premier League. Flitter them away right now. Go press a button. Boom. Gone. See ya. That's the way I feel. Interesting. Champions League, League too. The huh? League, the League, the League, the League, the League, the League, the League. Did you always feel that way? Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh God. No, it you get to a you're 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 struggling to finish in the top six in 2005. You're losing like major games away to Crystal Palace, but you're flying in the Champions League. Don't get me wrong, that's an absolute buzz. That is amazing. And when you're in that space. You're not thinking about oh well we're not going to win the league. You're you're zero. You're laser focused. But at the start of every season, it's the league, and especially growing up watching Manchester United rip off thirteen Premier Leagues, and you're like watching Liverpool's dominance in that the competition they used to own get 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 ripped away. You're you're yeah of course the league. Okay, thousand percent. All right. Um, on the Arsenal side, look the this was. I don't know if, if Gabriel Jesus was going to be considered as any kind of answer to Arsenal's goal-scoring situation, but him now going out with a knee injury certainly doesn't help the situation. Um, how, however long that will be, we don't know, but it's again, it's not good. Um, ESPN FC, JJ, mentioning that uh, with regards to their goal-scoring issues, Arsenal have now uh, had 48 shots since their last goal at home. They've scored one goal from 63 shots since Christmas. They ended here against Liverpool with an expected goals figure of 2.74, but nothing to show for it once more. I mean, it's it really is the same situation on repeat. They are generating chances. That's what makes them so so frustrating to watch, especially if you're an Arsenal fan, is that like everything appears to be kind of in place and functioning the way that it's supposed to, except for the final the final part of all this, of this process. And that's unfortunately for them, the most important part. They just aren't scoring. The rest of it actually looks like Arsenal, but for whatever reason, it's, it's completely abandoned them. Um, I mean, we look, we've for weeks now, we've kind of given our, our take on what's happening with, with Arsenal and um, are they in a title race? Are they not? What do they need to, to do to get this club to where we thought maybe they were going to be? Let's, let's now get the take of somebody who is deep in it. And Andrew Mangan, who's been on this program before of Ars Blog, uh, one of soccer's most popular fan sites, it's kind of, a, I guess, an institution, really, within the Arsenal fan community. He joins us now to talk a little bit more about the club. Andrew, what's up, man? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, coping, I think, after yesterday. But yeah, apart from that, I'm all right. You know, it's well, only football, isn't it? Yeah, Andrew, yeah. did you did you partake in the booze yesterday? 
No, I did not. Did not. I'm uh, I'm looking after myself in January after a fairly hectic December. So stone cold sober all the way through, which is slightly challenging. Well, but- I was I was talking more of the booze, as in the booze at the end of the game. Oh, <laughs> but uh, but I, I'm I'm glad to know you're doing dry January. Right. Okay. I didn't I didn't know there were booze at the end of the game. I think I just turned the volume down straight away. Oh, okay. Well, so we had the I guess we have the world feed here. And often the commentators aren't there. So there's usually, it's hard to always pick up the crowd noise, but we could definitely, I could definitely hear a plethora. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say, you know, half the stadium, but enough to make me think, oh, okay. Okay. I was not aware. So, um, well, look, I think people are just a bit fed up having lost three games in a row. Um, and going out of a cup, you know that I think Arsenal would have had some ambitions of of winning this season. wasn't the f- most favourable draw for the third round, but you know you, you've got to beat where you got to beat to to get to the final anyway. So I guess there's some frustration. I think it stems from more more stems from what we saw on the pitch and what we've seen on the pitch in the last few games. Maybe the last four or five weeks from Arsenal has been it has been challenging for the uh, for the brain. I would say. Yeah, well, to kind of continue with that, I saw Mikel Arteta afterwards. I mean, it almost felt like he was kind of imploring the fans to kind of to stand by the players that are currently on this team. It's like he seemed to be almost begging for the situation to not become toxic. Sure. You guys, I mean, you guys as as a site, Ars Blog, you can be opinion shifters. You've always had a pretty strong sense, I think, on the pulse of the Arsenal community. I mean, where is the fan base with this team right now? Are they kind of has frustration boiled over was this weekend a sign of that has has there been patience during this where where are things right now with the I fans mean, you, you kind of have to remember that like on christmas day arsenal were top of the premier league mm-hmm. and within a couple of weeks three bad results one bad performance one really bad performance in the middle of that has i guess maybe created some low level anxiety in fairness. I can't speak on behalf of the whole fan base, but obviously I can see what people are talking about on the site in the comments and, and all the rest. Um, there is, I think concern and there's a little bit of worry and a little bit of frustration. And the reality is a lot of people are really, really quiet when your football club wins games, they've got nothing to say. Mm. And then as soon as you lose, or as soon as you don't play well, there's a lot of people who are out there who've got plenty to say. So I wonder sometimes if that does perhaps skew the perception of of what the overall fan base thinks about what's going on. Nobody's happy, of course, when you lose to West Ham at home, when you lose to Fulham, when you lose to Liverpool. Nobody should be happy. But, you know, you I think you have to kind of step back a little bit and put it in the context of the whole season. It's been a bad two weeks if you want to call it that, from after the the Liverpool game at Anfield, but you know, go back uh, before that, and Arsenal they're top of the table on Christmas Day, and everyone's like, "Well, this is good. This is a team." So you know, things can things can shift very quickly, and I think sometimes things shift from one extreme to the other a bit too quickly. Like, were Arsenal brilliant to be top of the league? No, they've been good. Are Arsenal terrible now that they're not top of the league and have lost a couple of games? No. They've got a very, very big problem at this moment in time. But it's not the kind of problem that takes huge investigation to find out what it is. Everyone can see it. Can't score goals. Right, can't score goals. So so you believe, because 
And I, again, I'm not I'm not throwing your own words at you. I'm not creating like trying to say, you know, contradict you. But, you know, I read Ars blog after the Fulham game and it was very interesting to have watched the Fulham game, then read Ars blog and say, that's exactly what I saw. The slow, 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 slow passing when there was an opportunity to play the ball. It didn't happen, you know. So what I'm trying to say to you, Andrew, is there is there a, a confluence of things happening here? Is this a as we see with Saka and a couple of other guys, a jaded team, B, also a team that can't score goals, and C, a team that's speed of play is generally not where it needs to be? I think you have to put the Fulham game in its own little box, Okay, to be honest, because that is as bad as Arsenal have played for 18 months. That is absolutely an outlier in terms of Arsenal's performances this season. It was really, really bad. And I think everyone was kind of shocked by how bad it was because that's not what we do and it's not what we've done so far this season. What's probably um, the the running theme is if you go back to the Villa game where Arsenal were beaten 1-0 at Villa Park, but they made chances and didn't take those chances and and should not have lost that game. And at a minimum should not have lost that game and probably did enough to win it, but couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. Liverpool away, I think is kind of its own little thing as well, but West Ham at home, 30 odd shots in that game. Couldn't put the ball in the back of the net, dominated the game, dominated possession, dominated territory, but just couldn't score. Fulham, the outlier. Really terrible. Everyone had an off day, collectively individual. Yesterday against Liverpool, played very, very well in the first half, I thought. Mm. Should have scored. Should have taken at least one or two of those chances. You go in at halftime, 2-0. I'm not saying it's game over against a team like Liverpool. It can't be. Because, you know, you can see what, what kind of attacking threat they have. But didn't put the ball in the back of the net and ultimately paid the price for that. So I think that is that's kind of the theme. Rather than the Fulham game, where it was ponderous and slow. I mean, there's still elements of that, but for the most part, Arsenal are making chances. They're just not taking chances. Yeah, and so so with that, I mean, like we've, we've kind of said on this show now for a few weeks that it almost, like you said, there's not a whole lot of mystery here. Is it as simple as, okay, insert elite goal scorer X into this Arsenal squad and problem solved? Is it is it really that simple? I mean, look, if you give every or if you give any team an elite goal scorer, it will solve some <laughs> some problems for them, right? If you've got somebody you can just stick it away like Holland or or Mo Salah, of course, every team would want that kind of a player. I do think in the context of of where we are now in January, what Arsenal are capable of doing in the transfer market financially and the market itself in January in terms of who is available, what what really elite striker is available in January? None, right? So I think in the context of of where we are, it is too simplistic to say that that is the solution because while obviously it would help, it's not necessarily realistic. The fact is that players like Saka, like Martinelli, uh, Martin Odegaard, Gabriel Jesus, Eddie Nketiah, are just not scoring goals. Kai Havertz yesterday, not scoring goals, had good chances, but didn't score goals. And... The solution, I think, has to be to get those guys firing again. I don't know if Arsenal are going to do anything in the window before the end of January. I'd be quite surprised. But that means then that there is an onus on on getting these guys firing again. And I, maybe it's unfortunate that 
you know, sometimes a team can have a goal scoring winger and he goes off form, but the other goal scoring winger picks up the slack. I think Saka and Martinelli have maybe two or three goals between them in the last 22 games in the, in the league, you know? So there is a real problem there. Those guys did a lot of heavy lifting last season. Martin Odegaard got 15 open play goals last season. Granite Xhaka was chipping in with goals. So, like I said, the the problem is obvious. The solution, not so easy. Because how do you how do you sort of reignite something in these players? We know they're capable of better, but it's just I don't know if it's a confidence thing, if it's just a really weird um, form situation where they've all kind of gone off the boil a bit at the same time. I don't know, but that is the that is the main issue. Do you feel that? The rumours of, say, Ivan Tony coming to the club are just just because he's kind of available, has a great goal-scoring record, but there's yeah. nothing more to it than that. I don't think there is. You know, I don't think he is available anyway. I think Brentford are in a situation where they're they're sort of plummeting down the table. They don't have Brian and Bomo. They're, uh, their form is terrible. And Ivan Tony is coming back at just the right time. I think he did an interview today with Sky Sports where he says he wants to repay Brentford. And I think that's right. I think that's the right thing for him to do. And I think the right thing for Brentford is is obviously to keep Ivan Tony. If Arsenal were to offer them £80 million in January, would they take it? They probably would. Yeah, They'd be mad not to. Who wouldn't take £80 million for a 28-year-old, 27, 28-year-old player? They'd be crazy not to. But then at the same time, I think Arsenal would be crazy to offer that kind of money if they even had it in the first place, which I don't think they do. So... You know, talk of all these players like Tony, Ozzyman, like if a if a big player like that is gonna come in, it's gonna be in the summer. It's not gonna be in right. January. Is there any shtick that Arteta is getting? Is there any thought that there's something he could be doing differently to kind of aid this situation? Or is it kind of a, what you said before? It's just these are good players who just aren't scoring right now. Yeah, I mean I think if if Arsenal were playing really badly, if they weren't creating chances, if every game was like the Fulham game, for example, you'd be really, really worried. Like you'd be, I'm worried enough as it is, but you'd be super worried because if you can't create anything, um, that would be a bigger problem. Uh, I mean, what can he do? He changed up the team yesterday, played a very good first half against Liverpool. I think they ended with 13 shots in the first half to Liverpool's one, some guilt edge chances you could say Havertz with a header Martin Odegaard hit the bar a bit of a difficult shot because he had to lift it over some players but mm-hmm. you know there were moments where a couple of inches either way um, and everyone's talking about what a good performance it is from Arsenal the fact is that he can't go out there and put the ball in the back of, net, back of the net for these guys they have to do it they have to apply the finish Um Ultimately, it does stop with the manager. You know, he'll be the guy who 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 takes the uh, who takes the fall. If nothing improves, he'll be the guy that takes the fall. But I don't think that there is um, major concern about the football in general, even if it's been different from last season. I think people can recognize that we did enough in many of the games in December and and uh, and January to get something from them. But the the bottom line is if you don't score goals, you will get punished by, you know, teams like Villa, like Liverpool, even West Ham and Fulham. So they have this break now. They go away to Dubai for some warm weather training and hopefully a lot of shooting practice. Uh, final one for me, Andrew. Who signed Kai Havertz? 
Because, like, I feel if if this season does, uh, you know, not go well, Arsenal finish fifth or fourth or, you know, God forbid, somewhere in around there, and it's just a general disappointment coming back off a title race, people are going to look at that signing. They're going to point to it and ask, what what was the thinking there? Who who signed him? Why? Um, and was this some kind of, like, because it has been slightly painted, or maybe some of it's satire, but that... Uh, this was Arteta who was full of his own, you know, whatever from last season and thought he could do something with this guy. But 60 million is a lot for a project player. I mean, it's a 24-year-old experienced German international who's won pretty much everything uh, in the game, a project player. Yeah, 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 I think at that point in his career, because... Because at Leverkusen, Leverkusen, he was in such a a specific kind of way of playing and he had such a role. And then he came to England, to Chelsea, which is the worst place. If you don't, Jesus Christ, don't go there because they won't know what to do with you. And and Chelsea didn't. So, so like, he was kind of, maybe not a project player, uh, a player player that needed to be refurbished. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, look, I don't know. I presume that the the decision was made between Mikel Arteta and Edu. Yeah. They needed to replace Granite Xhaka. He, even though he has played up front a lot for Chelsea, seems to be the guy that they want in there. They they have seen things. They must have seen things. Yeah, his game that they felt would suit the team. I, I do think there is perhaps an element of slight misfortune for Arsenal this season in that Jurian Timber got injured right at the start. I think he would have been a very useful player and not having Thomas Partey all season has been a blow as well, because you can reconfigure your midfield a lot more um, successfully, I think with, with him in it. Um, So they have been missing two quite important players, which would then perhaps have allowed the domino effect of Havertz playing a bit further forward or Gabriel Jesus playing on the wing, for example, to take some of the burden off Saka and Martinelli. You know, I look at him and I, I, I want him to succeed at Arsenal, obviously. I want him yeah. to do well and score goals. And he had a difficult start. He scored a few goals. I think he is something of a lightning rod for when things don't go wrong or don't go right. But yesterday, I think we saw maybe the worst of, of Kai Havertz in that there was there were good things about his game, but in the final third, the final action, just too slow, too slow to get a shot off, too slow to move the ball. The header from the corner should be in the back of the net. He's six foot four. You know, he rose up well, did everything until putting the ball in the back of the net. So I think it is one of those uh, signings where unless he goes on a hell of a run between now and the end of the season and scores another five, six, seven goals, people will say Arsenal could have used that money better. Uh, last one for me, and this can be a one-word answer if you want it to be. Uh, Arsenal are in the uh, the round of 16 of the Champions League, FC Porto, uh, when it resumes. They're fourth right now in the Premier League, five points back of Liverpool. Which uh, which competition do you think is is a clearer route to a title? Oh, my God. Um, I mean, that's so difficult, isn't it? Because yeah. cup competition, you can get a you can just go on a run in a cup competition and get all the way to the final. Think about the Arsenal team that got to the final in 2006 with a, you know, the back four of Ebue, was it Colo Toure, uh, Senderos and Matthew Flamini playing at left back, you know, strange things can happen in cup competitions. Arsenal have demonstrated an ability to beat pretty much everybody in the Premier League apart from, uh, well, no, they have beaten Liverpool in recent seasons and beaten Liverpool at home. Look, I, I don't think 
I just think Arsenal lack the thing that gives Liverpool and Manchester City the edge in the title race, which is that elite goal scorer, that guy who can make a difference, the guy who can get you a goal out of nothing, or the guy who will score so consistently that even if you let in a couple of goals, you're going to win a lot of games. So they've got Haaland, they've got Salah. I know Liverpool don't have Salah for the next um, you know, few weeks, but overall they have a little bit of an edge so on that basis, I'm going to be really idiotic and stupid and say that maybe a cup competition, if Arsenal get a bit of luck along the way, is potentially the 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 best chance. But I, I think Arsenal will focus very heavily on the Premier League and, and look to try and win it again. It's just a, a question of depth and a question of finding shooting boots again. There you have it. Ars blog predicts Champions League glory for Arsenal. Oh, don't put that as the headline, guys. <laughs> the, the aggregators are already on it. They're already oh, gathering yeah. their material. Uh-huh. Uh, Andrew Mangan of Ars blog, thanks so much for joining us and helping to uh, to lend some perspective to these uh, these last few weeks for the club. Thanks again. Cheers, guys. <laughs> it was me, me starting me starting the interview by accusing you of um, of uh, of drinking. Yeah, you went. <laughs> after and it, it goes to show i guess where his head is at during a dry january he's probably he's probably jonesing for just like a sip of something and then you come straight out with a question about booze and he <laughs> he just goes right well no i haven't had a drink actually no 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 no, not that kind of booze <laughs> that was that was very funny um yeah i mean you know he he kind of it's frustrating for arsenal and this is, I guess, a bow that we'll put on this through January until they, if they actually are able to do something, which, like he says, seems very unlikely that they'll be able to do any. This is kind of who they're going to be. Um, but, you know, he said, yeah, it'd be great. Like, when I asked him about, you know, is it as simple as you have an elite goal scorer and all your problems are solved? And and he's right. That's a, that's a hard thing to come by. The problem for Arsenal is look at all the clubs around them. They all have it. They all have it. City, Villa, I think you have to say with Watkins, Tottenham behind them, um, Liverpool, certainly. So, like, all the clubs that they're in contention with have that thing, and well, they're makes, the ones who makes, are missing it. It just – I mean, I we saw this. We said it on the podcast at the end of last season and in the summer. It makes the, the, the signing of Kai Havertz make less and less sense. Yeah. it's and, there, and it sounds like – I mean, I agree with Andrew in this, in that this is – it's something that they're probably just going to have – like, the, the answer, unfortunately, is just like – well, Bukayo Saka is a great player, and we've seen what he can do. He's just has a fl- a switch has to get flipped, and he has to start scoring. And that's true of of a few guys on that. Martinelli also. So if that never happens, and this is this is who they are this season, then Arsenal will continue to be what they are. Fourth, they're going to battle for fourth or fifth somewhere around there. Um, but if that switch does get flipped, then yeah, they can. They're only five points off. It's not ridiculous to think that they can be in the race. I know. I know it's not like. Also, I, I will say, I think the Champions League is their best route to winning. A cup competition. Yeah. And to winning a trophy this year. I think they have a better shot in the Champions League than they do in, in the Premier League. That's my We'll feeling. see. I mean, maybe they can rally, but yeah. Maybe this this Retiro they're going on, this relaxing oh. relaxing Retiro they're going on is uh, is going to sort them right out. We'll see. Yeah. Well, we shall. Uh, a few other things to mention from the uh, third round FA Cup fixtures over the weekend. Newcastle. We spoke a lot about that one in the buildup, yeah. just the, the glamour of getting that derby in an FA Cup. These teams haven't played each other in what? What's it been? Eight years? One of the biggest rivalries in England. Uh, yeah, but, and Sunderland had such a good record going into it. Yeah, um, but, um, but in the end, it was it was really a dud. Sunderland were 
pretty much a no-show in this one. There was no magic on display. Uh, Newcastle 3-0. And um, we'll see what they do with this now. Is this just like Sunderland, you know, they managed to find it for this game, this Newcastle team that had been just completely wiped physically um, and maybe mentally as well. This was a game where they were able to kind of get it all back to build up for this moment of a big game in a cup. Um, but now, like, if you're hoping to build momentum off of a game like that, I think they have Man City next, which is not always the best way to continue um, to continue momentum that you're trying to develop. I I like Sunderland, obviously, with a new manager, Michael Beale. Um, players, a very young side. This just, I mean, this this is a. Newcastle didn't even play that well. They still won comfortably, yeah. you know. And Ballard for for Sunderland, just own goal and gets gets sent off. Gives a gives a smashes into Anthony Gordon, which is something I think we all want to do. Wow! But, uh, oh, you're on about faces. I want to oh, send really? him. Oh, I want to send him into the stands. Oh, him running down the line and just wallop him into the stands. I'm still on my Anthony tackled. Gordon. Do you see yeah. what he did? See what he did? He got tackled. And there was a bit of a, a ruckus, shall we say, a bit of a kerfuffle. And uh, he starts um, pulling at his shirt to the, the opposition Sunderland player. I don't know, was it Luke O'Neill or one of them? He goes, I'll give it to you afterwards. You can have my shirt afterwards. Yeah, don't worry, don't worry. I'll give you my shirt, like big time in him. Oh, rat. They're rat. Whole family of rats. <laughs> Oh man, I'm still on my Anthony Gordon apology tour, so I'm uh, I'm in no position to say these things no. right now. No, and, and just one thing from this game that actually happened before the game and happened before we didn't get a chance to talk about it on the pod. Sunderland with the biggest own goal prior to the game. So there was like 600 Newcastle, 700 Newcastle fans had paid 600 a ticket for like this special corporate box or some kind of corporate hospitality uh, in, in one of their suites. And Sunderland... The absolute, I don't, I can't think of another word. I, I'm not going to say the word. I won't say the word, but Sunderland absolutely, ugh, they went and they decorated it as Newcastle United. Like, so they had, we are United written on it. They, they changed how way the lads, which is the Sunderland banner. They, they X that out and put how way the lads in black, like playing to the, to their, to the people that's there. Like, um, keep the black and white flag flying high. Like they completely just made this a Newcastle box and uh, Newcastle United Supporters Club. They obviously got pictures of this. Like who didn't think this would this creep out in 2023? You know, we're not living in the dark ages. Of course, someone's going to take pictures of this stuff. And they, they um, Newcastle United Supporters Club tweeted, can't fault the hospitality of our host this weekend and showed all the pictures of the suite and how they've just basically oh, emasculated themselves. Yeah, it's too nice. What? They, you can't do that. It's not necessary. Can't no one be would have, if it had just been normal, no one would have said, oh, well, no. where, like, where's our where's our welcome? So, you know, no one would have said that. It would have been fine. They, Who, they went too nice. Whoever signed off on that should be fired. Oh, and wow. I'm, well, I don't, I'm not calling for jobs, JJ. That's wrong. But anyway, that's that's how they went into that game. So they're on the back foot straight away. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm sure that impacted on. them. Um, America's team, JJ Wrexham, they're looking to go on a cup run. They advanced to the fourth round following their win over Shrewsbury. I did not get to see this. I don't know if this was what you were locked it. into. Okay. I watched, I was locked into it from, from the beginning. Um, so, so th- this is apparently a big rivalry. I was unaware. Uh, you know, they're just across the Shrewsbury are just across the border in England. Actually, Shrewsbury used to be invited into the Welsh cup when Wrexham were in that competition. So there's, 
kind of a lot of crossover there between the two clubs in that in in that general area. Um, Shrewsbury missed a lot of chances in the first half and the second half. Uh, they should have been one 0 up in the first half, and then I think Perry missed three chances, like three really had three really good opportunities, and um, yeah, it was it was basically a, a Tom O'Connor took his chance for for Wrexham, and uh, they went through one nil. Uh but it kind of hasn't ended there really because before the game, Tom Flanagan of Shrewsbury had talked about I don't know why everyone is talking about this about Wrexham so much as if we're as if we Shrewsbury are the underdogs you know we're in league one they're just a league two side why are they talking like they're we're playing a premier league side and while I get that his under like his sense of disrespect there you can't paint Wrexham as underdogs anymore it's all that that they started with Stephen Fletcher up top former Scotland international (laughs) former premier league player and they had a former Premier League player and an 100-cap international who's just recently retired and James McLean playing for them as well. They're not the underdog anymore. And by the way, that's exactly what they want you to do. What Like him painting them as the underdog is probably exactly what they would oh, like. 100, oh, 100%. So the social responded to him. Like James McLean was blowing kisses to the Shrewsbury fans at the end of the game. Now, outside of the whole Wrexham, money, other clubs hate us thing, I mean, McLean gets abuse at every ground he goes to now because of his Irish Republican views, long-standing Irish Republican views. So if he's blown kisses at the fans, I don't mind it so much. But Wrexham, they tweeted out, just a League Two club kiss and a picture of him below. They love this. This is what right. they want you to think. And even Kieran Gibbs on the ESPN Plus broadcast going on about the fairy tale continues. Just stop it. They're top of League Two and they'll soon be top of League One. All right. <laughs> Or there'll be a prominent team in League One. Stop. Nonsense. Total nonsense. They are bankrolled to the hilt. Their sponsor is United Airlines. Who is Shrewsbury's sponsor? Probably some local, you know, college company. I can... Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, and then finally, speaking of underdogs, JJ, Manchester City, um, Small club in in Manchester, they smash Huddersfield. Whatever, that's not really okay, the important not part. But the the important part is is that Kevin De Bruyne made his return, and uh, with fabulous hair. Yeah, he's let it grow out. He's let it grow out, and I'm trying to think. He looks like a slightly disheveled lawyer, who's um he's just he's a young lawyer, and he's on his way to his first big case, and he spent so much time he hasn't showered properly, and he's just got that kind of mid early 90s late 80s to early 90s lawyer hair did he go to jack Grealish's barber i feel like there's some similarities it's a, it's just short enough of jack Grealish's. like uh de bruyne couldn't put an alice band in it to to like hold it back it's just not quite long enough but it's 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 very there's full bodied very good I, yeah. I liked it a lot okay and it moves um, well when he runs have you noticed that it, there's it moves, a little bit of bounce to it but flops nicely yeah. By the way, he he also played well. Like I, I think that Did probably he? should. Yeah. I mean, he came on as a sub, had an assist on Jeremy Doku by the Baron on, on uh, Doku's goal, which was also important that Jeremy Doku back and and looking good as well. Manchester City, JJ, they're all just they're a Holland away from the machine being at full efficacy once again. They're right. all coming back healthy, gearing up for the second half of the season. Hey, look out! <laughs> Here we go. Uh, they was, uh, they, they look back. Re- there was a wrestling meme last week where it was 
uh, Raw or something back in the day and there's two wrestlers and obviously the guys superimposed Manchester City on one and Liverpool on the other and a collection of small wrestlers came in and both of them together just threw them out of the ring. So um, a wrestler comes in with Aston Villa on his chest, beating his chest and screaming, but he's like five foot five. They pick him up, throw him out of the ring. Another one comes in, which is like Arsenal, you know, screaming and roaring and tries to hit City and City picks him up and throws him out of the ring. And I do feel as if we are now reverting to uh, to the old, the old ways. Yeah, it's starting to feel that way. By the way, while you were talking, I'm trying to look up uh, Shrewsbury's sponsor because now I... What is it? Well, yeah. I see here uh, Crowd. Crowd partners with Shrewsbury Town Football Club as stadium sponsors. So that's that's not what's on their shirt. Um, Shrewsbury shirt sponsor. Yeah, I, I just see Crowd here. I'd have to look up who their shirt sponsor is. Uh, I'll tell you Shrewsbury what. Shrewsbury Town shirt sponsor. Hold on a sec. Yeah, yeah. Uh, two century-old Shropshire organizations are to team up next season with when Morris Property adorned the front of Shrewsbury Town's shirts. The logo of the fifth generation Shrewsbury firm will be on Towns Home shirts from 23 24 season with the new kit set to be unveiled in a few weeks. Right. United Airlines. Mm-hmm. Morris Properties. Yeah. All right. So, this is like, I don't want to hear this stuff about underdogs. They, that's what they want to sell you. It's, it's, it's bollocks now. It's not true. Uh, let's see. JJ, we'll go ahead. We'll take a break. We got some things that you saw on the internet when we come back on the other side. Before that, though, we want to remind everybody we might be into a new year, but some things do not change, JJ, and that is our love of Manscaped. Support for Caught Offside is brought to you by Manscaped, of course, who is the best in men's below the waist grooming. 2024 is the time for new heights, JJ, new opportunities, and a new look for your Times Square balls. Manscaped's Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra is every man's cheat code to look good, feel good, and turn the page on confidence this year. Whether you're looking to maintain a trim or go for that clean-shaven look, this trimmer has you covered. Trusted by over 10 million men worldwide, including these two on this podcast. Right. Now is your time to get a grip on your grooming with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com, use code CAUGHTOFFSIDE for 20% off and free shipping. Have a happy new year and do so with Manscaped. Um, JJ, they're introducing now the MVP of 2024, Manscaped's fifth-generation lawnmower. Not just a trimmer, it's your grooming sidekick. I like the idea of that, the grooming sidekick. I, I, like, I have a nice little bike made for two where we ride together, a little motorcycle sidecar. Yeah, but you'd have to, in this in this instance, you, that's just another man showering with you. <laughs> no, 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 it's the, it's the razor. It's the, it's the lawnmower, JJ. That's riding along with me. Uh, equipped for two... Uh, skin safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little off the top and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. By the way, this is waterproof. We should mention that is an important part of this for people who aren't sure where do you do this? Uh, You can do it in your shower, waterproof technology, uh, because a trim in the shower is the only way to start the day. JJ, as a gesture for the new year, by the way, they're even throwing in two free gifts, the boxers 2.0 and the shed 2.0 toiletry bag. Uh, So you get all of that along with of course, the the big ticket item, which is the lawnmower. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code CAUGHTOFFSIDE at manscaped.com because nothing says Happy New Year like a deal that leaves your balls and your budget feeling refreshed. Embrace a new you and definitely embrace a new trimmer, courtesy of Manscaped. We'll go ahead, take a break, come back on the other side, some stuff we saw on the internet, also a big injury in the sport that we want to mention, and some uh, transfer rumors and news as well. More Caught Offside still to come. Oh, back now. Caught offside here on a on a Monday, a very cold Monday. Our first snowfall, JJ, here in New York. I think I read last year in New York in Central Park, um, they got 
2.3 inches of snow for the whole year. Yeah. It's a record low. Oh, uh, pathetic. Now, I know you're in Brooklyn, and it seemed like this snowstorm that we got, like the line was, like it's possible <laughs> got you, no- you got nothing. I actually got a little bit. We got a spilled slushy in the street. Okay. That's what we got. It, it, nothing. I mean, it was nice for Roisin to see her, her first snow falling, but it didn't last. It didn't stick. It was very disappointing. And the last heavy snowfall we've had in New York was, so I suppose last winter was not, was a mild winter. The winter before that was more wintry. The three winters before that, the four winters before that were not. And then the first two winters I came out here were Siberian. Mm-hmm. So I, I actually, I love the cold. Love it. I know we we talk a little bit of weather on this pod. It pro- it might bore people to tears, but I find it interesting. Can what? I can I do something that is never ever done and I don't think that it's right? There is no lower hanging fruit than just bashing indiscriminately bashing weather meteorologists. Oh, no, it's it's and, pathetic. And I just want to say that at least with regards to this if you won't even call this a storm, I don't know. But like with this in snow weather incident, they effing nailed it. Yep. Right down to like where the line would be of like who's going to get rain and who's going to get snow and how much. Like for where we – like I saw it in real time because we were in the southern part of the county and like down there it was rain. And as we drove up to where we were, it turned to snow. It was like the the line that they had set a couple of days in advance was exactly right. They They nailed it. And meteorologists out there, you never get credit. People only want to bash you, even when they're right. In this storm, I was talking to people, and they're like, yeah, these weathermen, they don't know what they're talking about. I was like, I mean, they they got 100% right. They were exactly right. What do you want? What else can they do? So yeah. I'm here for all of you. Just remember that. I'm your guy. I'm in your corner. And yeah. it's not right the way they're treated. It's it's just an easy target for people. Who yeah, sure. There's, there's all Andy. Following the consensus. Oh, consensus? Yeah. The mainstream media. Yeah. The, the You believe what the weathermen tell you. Next thing, you'll be vaccinating your kids. Consensus. Consensus is to mock them. It's not. It's not. It's not fair. They're doing fine work. And and they're extremely entertaining, too, as well. Like the, the high profile guys. I love when the guy on ABC, when there's a storm coming in, he's usually pristinely dressed, but he ruffles his collar a bit, loosens his tie, rolls up his sleeves when he's telling you where that storm could come, as if he's fighting the storm himself. I love that. I can't get I enough of that. Also, we've set, I don't mean to go off on a real tangent, but like we've set such an like an absurdly ridiculous bar for these for meteorologists to have to reach. I saw there's a famous meteorologist in Philadelphia, Cecily Tynan. She's been at it for years since I was a kid. She's excellent. And I saw her fighting with someone on social media because it was like over, it was a week to go before the storm was going to hit. And they didn't have like the lines yet of where it's going to be snow, what the numbers were going to be. And someone like was ripping her on Twitter for not having it. And she's like, I'm sorry, the storm is still over the Pacific Ocean. Like, like, be happy that we're even telling you to get ready and brace yourself for something. Like, we never have those kinds of figures over a week before a storm's going to hit. It's still in the ocean. Yeah, People have lost their minds with this stuff. What are they? I don't understand. Uh, people's expectations for things are just so out of whack. So there you go. That's my toast to meteorologists everywhere. Um, let's see, JJ, a few things we wanted to mention here before a very fun edition of things that you saw on the internet, which we haven't. Oh, it's back. It's back for 2024. I can't wait. I I always love those. And I don't really know a whole lot of what we're getting into. So it's going to be fun and exciting. Uh, but before that, JJ, some unfortunate news that uh, we wanted to mention, um, boy, I I know we went through kind of just like a, a rash of these things a while ago. And now once again, Sam Kerr, 
um, one of the the biggest stars in this sport, certainly in the women's game, maybe the biggest, suffering a torn ACL while in training with Chelsea. Yeah. Brutal news, uh, not just for for the club, of course, uh, but I mean the sport as a whole. She's now uh, Australia. I don't think of. I think they still have one more game before qualifying for the Olympics, but presumably I think that they, they would. Um, so now she would not be there for that. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's just very unfortunate. She was runner up uh, for the Ballon d'Or, maybe the most popular figure in the, in the women's game, like I said, and, you know, it kind of brings back to the forefront, the conversation that we were having a few months ago about a lot of prominent women's soccer players suffering significant knee injuries. And now this is a, uh, if you're judging by name, this is maybe the biggest one yet. Yeah, and we know statistically women are more likely to uh, to suffer these injuries. Um, and I think part of the article we read the last time on the pod was how, you know, women still operate in a very uh, men's world in terms of equipment and training and, and, and things like that. And, you know, the, the female body, it's not a shock to anyone, is not the same as ours, Andrew. And therefore, you know, from from the simple things down to boots, you know, that's going to affect the way your feet plant, um, all those things. Well, even going beyond that, I was reading a lot about this, JJ, and, and there's even conversation about how the women's menstrual cycle affects these injuries. And there's research being done into that side of it. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. The women's game and the men's game are they're both entertaining. They're both great. But there are ways in which they're different and science behind it needs to kind of reflect that. And yeah. I think and we're it, sort of in it, that in that period right now. And and we're and they're probably decades behind. Uh decades behind. So yeah. so so yeah, yeah, it's 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 terrible. And uh as someone who's had both ACLs and both knees done, I um I can I can really feel it. Uh whenever I hear of anyone doing it, I I can almost channel that feeling that those first thirty seconds when you when it goes and it's it's horrible. Yeah, Sophie Downey from The Guardian, she wrote about this. She said, uh, she noted women are three to six times more likely to pick up an ACL injury than their male counterparts. And a lot of work is going into understanding the causes, potential prevention, and recovery. So, yeah, it's still, so all still being looked at um, to try to figure out how they can at least get this to a, a more, a number more in line with, with what we see with the men. Um, there's 13 women's Super League players currently in recovery from this injury. Feels like a big number. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, all the best to Sam Kerr. We hope to see her back as, as soon as possible. Hopefully recovery for, recovery time for this. That seems to be improving a little bit. Uh, you see, you do see some Definitely. players getting oh, back it's, quicker. It, so. I mean, would, it, it's plausible now to get to be back in six to seven months, yeah. um, depending on, on the nature of the tear. And, uh, you know, there's often ancillary issues surrounding that. So best of luck to her. Yeah. So all the best uh, to Sam Kerr, one of the great, great players in the sport today. Uh, JJ, no easy transition from that to this, but uh, you know what? Let's let's just go ahead and do this now. I'll check the web. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to present to you the Internet. I went on the Internet this week oh God. and I found this. What did you find? It's comfortably your best ever jingle. Oh, really? I think it's the best thing you've ever put together. It's usually what I do is I tell you something, I give you a concept, and you go away and you make it, or Brownshire makes it, uh, and and I'm usually so impressed by that. But this is as if I conceived of it, and I never. It was you. I, uh, 
I think I've made almost all. Brownshire has done some opens for us, a little bit of voice work, but I I think I've put together every single jingle. Now that can either you can either take that as a good thing or a bad thing. Maybe people hear that and say, "Oh, no wonder some of them are crap." Well, I created a 2023. Well, no, 2022 World Cup. I did. I did. I came. I came up with the concept, and Brownshire made it. You had. You were. You were working for another company at the time, and were uh, put it that way. A, quite in a sweatshop. Quite, quite in the sweatshop, the gulag. <laughs> You were quite distracted. Anyway, things I saw on the internet is back for 2024. And we begin in Andrew's sweet spot uh, with the worst panenka ever seen in the Coupe de France. Uh, Antoine Millier of Chateauroux. Uh, this could have been the winning penalty for Chateauroux. They did go on to win it. And Millier had already scored a worldly versus Le Herbier, who are both in the third division. But that, that, kind, that kind of softens it a bit. But in its actual execution... It was a truly horrifying and jarring effort. This is one, Andrew. Um, I don't know what's your thought. Like this is one where it's I think- the worst one I've ever seen, and it's- I'll tell you why. And I'm sure these are these have happened before, um, but it's the worst one I've ever seen because JJ, a, a bad panenka on its own is bad enough when it's when the keeper simply catches it. Like that is that is such embarrassment on a yeah. level that's hard to even understand without having played the game. Like that it's so it's dehumanizing almost that on its own is terrible. This one did not even reach the keeper. No. It actually bounced in front of him and he fielded it like a, like a shortstop. I can't even imagine to think that a regular Panenka being caught the embarrassment of that to not even reach the keeper and have him just kind of, lightly pick it up and by the way then taunt i mean did you see what the keeper did to this guy afterwards he kind of like threw the ball away and then got in his face was taunting him uh, i guess like a keeper might see like a panenka i guess is almost seen as a disrespect a sign of disrespect like i'm total I, i'm not just going to score a penalty here i'm going to do so in a way that embarrasses you and or so the- the keeper saves it like this i think it's their chance to kind of say <laughs> to kind of go back at him yeah exactly in in the case of uh in the case of Pirlo versus Hart, it was a response to disrespect. Because remember, Hart was jumping up and down on the line and doing stuff with his tongue and all sure. sorts of oddness. And with Pirlo, it was a response. If you're going to act this way, then I'm going to humiliate you. Right. Um, amazing. That's still that's still my favorite Panenka ever. Now, it um, should be pointed out, though, what you said. The goal that, that Antoine Mill scored in this game before his blown Panenka. Oh, if that was a goal that happened in like in a normal Premier League match, it would be one of, at the end of the year, we'd still be talking about it as, as one of our goal of the season candidates. It was unbelievable that he would be up there with Pedro Porro. He could do that in, in a game. And then later in the game, he could also have the most embarrassing moment we've seen in what, like the last five years. But that's when you're That's when your confidence is up. Yeah, that's true. that's when that's when you're talking to a girl at the bar and things are going really, really well. And then you do a risque joke and it just it doesn't work. That's that's <laughs> what's happened there. Um, I want to talk about this guy. Uh, he follows us on Twitter. We follow him and he's just blown up because almost twice a week he comes up with some of the best football content relating to the way football people speak in England. It's fantastic. I can't wait for him to do a in and around or oh. me. It's Brian's gun on X. Has he done a come in? He's come in. He hasn't done that yet. Well, I've, 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 um, I've DM'd him with suggestions <laughs> as if he needs them from me. But he's masterful at the way he puts it together. And you don't need to see anything here. 
Uh, this is 30 Seconds of Gold. This is Chris Wilder, who likes saying, did a job quite a lot. You know, they've, uh, they've done a job on us. They did a job on us. They did a job on us. We've done a job on a couple of teams recently. But then, you know, they, 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 they did a job on us. Everton did a job on us. You've done a job. Oh, massively. Went there and really just done a job on them. Do a job on us, and they, they did a job on us. Did an absolute job on them. And we haven't done a job on, on, on Southampton. And, uh, and they did a job on us, and it's up to us to do a job on them. We really have to do a job on them. What's your job? To do a job on the opposition. That's your job? Yeah, yeah of course. That's it. That's your job. That's my job as a manager. That's your job? I know. Oh, God, I love that. And I love, at the end, it's your job. Do your job, Roy Keane. And it throws to Chris Wilder. I know, I know. Yeah, that is that is a good one. I don't know that it's... He's getting better at them. He started off and they were obscure. They, like, one of the ones he did was, it was a minute of goalkeepers lashing the ball down the field. Back in the day, that's what a goalkeeper do. He'd bounce it, he'd grimace, he'd blow out his cheeks, and then he'd just leather it like a howitzer down the field. And he did a minute of that. And I found that just unbelievable content. Nobody else did, but he's getting, he's, he's so good. He's passed 100,000 followers on Oh, X. wow. Yeah, wow. so people this love is, this stuff. This is a very good one. Now we have to have our, this is another one we have to have our antennas up for. Oh. We hear this. Yeah, 100%. Um, we don't and, and say lot, this very often. We say in and around, we say come in for me. Did a job. But we don't, I don't think we say did a job very often on this no, show. No, no, we, we haven't done that much. Uh, someone uh, tweeted us to say that he's hearing, for me, everywhere now. <laughs> everywhere oh god uh uh so yeah uh here's another one uh, that happened across the weekend this is before the burnley game in the fa cup uh tottenham uh ange so we've got two bits of ange uh let's start with the first one this is ange getting uh getting playful getting feisty let's uh, let's hear ange when he's asked about about his trophies or imagined trophies do you ever picture yourself lifting trophies as a more general question? I've got real pictures, mate. <laughs> There's quite a few of them, mate. <laughs> no, I just look at the ones I've got, mate. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I've earned them. I'm not lucky. Yes, uh, he, he does a mixture of jokey and, and prickly very, very well. Now, Later on in that piece, he does go. Now I, I I understand your question, mate. I do. I understand. He was smiling question. through through chunks of that. Yeah, yeah, but 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 you can tell there's an edge to it a little bit. Um, he's super conscious of his curriculum vitae, of his CV, and instead of just not mentioning it, he like leans into it. Um, now obviously the stuff at Celtic. You know, the stuff he won at Celtic gives it more credence, but all the other stuff was in, in, in Asia or it was in Australia. So he has to fight a little bit harder for that, but he's, he's very aware of it. Um, he's just better at this than Klopp, isn't he? Well, yeah, I think there's still. Just Klopp get, Klopp, Klopp get, here's what could perceive to be an insult. And instead of batting it away or being funny about it, he acts like he's been insulted. Well, I mean, look, the thing that Klopp did recently is still indefensible to me um, that we played on this show when they, well, how did it end yeah. again when they wished Jürgen yeah. best of luck against uh, well, well, and just say the same thing to them. As yeah, yeah, that, so yeah, like, yeah. yeah, stuff like that is, I didn't look, mean to was, insult you Jürgen. Yeah, but you already did. So, but you did though, but you did. Um, yeah. Stuff like that. I can't defend. I'll say, look, usually I know I, I said, uh, what was it last week or two weeks ago that 
Klopp has crossed a he's crossed a threshold with me where there's no coming back and everything mm-hmm. he does annoys me. Um, I, I will say this: he's usually I don't find him to be bad with the media. Like I think that no, he's great. His, his back and forth with the media is good. The the stuff with Klopp that has brought me to that point is when he goes into into whiny mode when he starts. I always call him the, the complainer in chief. When he switches into that mode, that's when I just I can't take it anymore. Like you're dealing with so many of the same problems that a lot of like that's the stuff that I've just right, so, I can't so, hear that stuff anymore. So uh, so let's play let's play Ange number two. Did Ange not cross the line here? I just heard your uh, interview with the broadcaster about Eric Dyer. Uh, injured tonight? Yeah, yeah, he's injured. What's the nature of the injury? Well, he just pulled up sore and didn't try yesterday. And so there's nothing that links with Bayern Munich? We understand there's an agreement between the two clubs. Separate issue, mate, but don't question my integrity. When I say he's injured, he's injured, didn't train yesterday. I can get vision for you. Ask him, but he was injured. Got nothing to do with anything else. But is there a- I've got no idea, and so I've no interest. Yeah, I know, but, but when you ask me whether he's injured, he's injured. Like, I didn't make that up. That's, you know, if, I, if he wasn't injured, I'd say he wasn't selected. It's easy for me to say. He's injured. Now, in terms of anything else that's happening, not on my radar, not that I've heard of, and uh, if there is something, I'm sure I'll hear, hear of it. But, you know, fair to say, last sort of 24 hours I've been focusing on the game and the guys who are available. This is Andrew, a this is a little bit of a, a us getting to know Ange period. I this do not. New, this is a new side of him that I don't know that we fully have. Why did he seen lose it there? I don't think the guy was questioning his integrity. He was asking if there was an injury, but also was there? He wasn't even asking if was he? He was. He asked if there's an injury, and then he asked what was it in any way related to a possible transfer to Bayern Munich or away from the club, and then Ange takes that as questioning his own integrity. I think Ange got, I, I think he got defensive. I understand. I, I understand why he would see it that way a little bit, but I think he went zero to 60 from a perspective of getting defensive a little, a little too fast Yeah, on that one. I don't think that there was that much disrespect men with the follow-up. Now, look, but- Ange said he's hurt. So if the follow-up is suggesting in some way that the answer you just gave is a lie, then yeah, you kind of are you are you are sort of questioning someone's integrity. But no, but you you can you there's two ways to go. You can go down straight to the integrity route, which to me is a pretty heavy way to go, or you can just do like Uncle Junior and just respond, "What am I speaking in tongues?" You know, "What am I speaking Swahili?" Something like that. You're right. He could have been more playful about it. Yeah, he he chose to kind of reprimand. Anyway, it's just it's just interesting. I, I think I know what's happened here. I said some stuff about Klopp. You now one pod later, you've gotten defensive. You have to back your guy, and you're doing so by no, coming I'm, after I'm, mine. I stop. see what you're. No, no, no. That's I, you're ridiculous. Settling, you're settling scores. No, I understand. Well, I'm sure you're ridiculous. Liverpool people. I saw some of the messages on Reddit, and you and, and you're all now you're coming together, and and you're you want to bring down Ange because a lot of us have had it with Klopp. No, 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 no. I love Ange. I am a big Ange guy, but I do think we're in the honeymoon Ange period where he gets away with. Pretty much anything. And and he hasn't really tried anything on yet. He's just, a lot of it is just Ange being himself. And I honestly think he's very, very good. Like, I listened to the full pre, uh, pre-Burnley pre uh, interview and uh, he was excellent. He truly is excellent. And he was clearly tired. He kept rubbing his face in the middle. He's like, oh. But he was, he, he's very, very good at this is what I'm trying to say. And finally, uh, another person who's very, very good. Jude Bellingham, Andrew, is now in a sweet spot where everything he does is just amazing. 
it happens to a few celebrities, sometimes politicians, rarely these days, but sometimes politicians, definitely actors and certainly sports stars. He is in a place right now where he is just everything and he's perfect and he's giving blankets to freezing cold ball boys. Mm-hmm. But this is the most this is the most precarious place to be because what does the media do, JJ? Oh, and 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 an Englishman in this position. Oh, <laughs> we build oh, them up. Boy. But, we but build the them up to the chop tear, them down. The teardown is never far, never he far is, away. He be, can, can I begin the teardown right now? So, Seriously? wow. Okay, <laughs> I'm I'm mostly joking here. I saw the video of what he did, and it couldn't have been sweeter. It was, and it it appeared so genuine. But if we wanted to start the teardown, JJ, I could ask you the most cynical question in the world, which is what percentage of this was Jude Bellingham good guy and what percentage was, oh, the cameras will love this? Oh, I, 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 um, we can't go down that road because we haven't seen, we haven't seen years of Bellingham and then we can, we can make educated opinions on it. I believe that it's a hundred percent good guy. I think I'm, it's a, I'm only I, throwing the question out there as, I think as satire. A, yeah, and he doesn't need the PR. You know, he right, doesn't right. need it. Um, I, I think I think it's just a really nice thing to do. I would like to think that's the Irishman and Jude, um, which is the only reason he's sitting on that bench. By the way, I'd like to remind everyone. Um, but no, it's uh, it, it was a lovely thing, really nice thing, and uh, and that were th- that was things I saw on the internet. Um, it's great to have that back. I, I enjoy doing that. Oh, very nice. Thank you. Always enjoy that. A nice random potpourri of, of things happening in the soccer world. Potpourri. I love it. Uh, finally, JJ, of course, it is January. We are, we're into the window. Um, not a ton to report at this point. However, I was quite surprised waking up, I guess it was Saturday morning, to see that, it. I don't know if it's official yet, but it appears pretty much done that Timo Werner is headed to Tottenham on loan with an option to buy. Um, I don't know if it's good. I don't know if it's bad. I do know that it's it's at least interesting how this is going to go. It's it's almost unanalyzable right now to create a word there. Um, you know, he's a few years removed from scoring 28 goals at RB Leipzig. Then he went to Chelsea and we all saw up close um, what a disaster that move really was. We've seen that happen with a lot of strikers who have gone to Chelsea. You were talking about Kai Havertz earlier. So uh, since then, he's gone back to Leipzig, hoped to rejuvenate his career. It has not worked. He is in a he's in a bad moment now. He's not playing very much. And I think this is kind of this is him sort of throwing a flyer out there and Tottenham taking a flyer on him. And, uh, you know, Jack Pitbrook wrote about it um, in The Athletic. He said, watching Spurs struggle to attack the space behind Burnley's back four on Friday. It looked like a team who needed someone experienced at doing exactly that. Werner's running off the ball feels well calibrated for how Ange wants Spurs to play, as is his pressing from the front. Even if he does not come in as the star of Spurs' attack, he'll offer depth and options, particularly at this challenging time. I mean, when you sell sell it like that, you can see it, but you also have just visions of him. I suppose at Chelsea, like often when he took up positions, like there was always defenders in front of him. He needs space in behind. Um... And it's like when Germany brought him to the World Cup in 2018 and 
they lost to um, South Korea, and there was just no there was no space for him to. Do, he needs he needs green grass in front of him, mm. and I guess when when Spurs are in full flight, he'll have that. Yeah, and look, we'll see what his role is. I don't think he's he's not coming in here to be relied upon. I mean, Chelsea acquired a guy who had just scored 28 goals the season before and they were getting him on the front edge of his prime and they probably thought here we go we found this is our guy for the for this era and they relied on him and it was it didn't work what he scored 10 goals in 53 games or something i mean it just it did not work um tottenham this will not be the case and now you know son is gone right now at the asian cup but when he comes back Werner. I mean, he'll be kind of in and out of the first 11. I don't know when everyone's healthy. I don't think he'll be a first 11 player. Um, He'll be a rotational player. And so I guess to me, it feels low risk, high reward. Um, I I guess I, I don't know. I've kind of talked myself into it. Yeah, you tend tend to do that. And you're, be it managers, players, your ability to do that is second to none. Um, And, but I, 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 the way the way you explained it there, I I I can see it too. I also the option to buy what what did you say seventeen million or seventeen million? So like that's we'll see. Works. It's yeah, we'll see. And it's not it's not a ton of money. Um, hey Ange, uh, what do you think is signing a team of Werner? I don't think he's very good. Don't question my integrity, mate. Hmm, there we go. Take your shots. Uh, and then JJ, finally, I wanted to close on this because the whole world is watching this closely. Uh, Kylian Mbappe, this comes from Julian Loren. He says, PSG forward Kylian Mbappe will decide his club future in the next few weeks. Oh, I don't care. ESPN, oh, God, with, just with, do something. Well, with Real Madrid and Liverpool, the most likely destinations, should he opt to leave the French capital. Uh, despite reports in France on Monday that Mbappe has agreed to join Madrid, ESPN sources did not say an agreement has been found and that there remains contact between the two parties. Sources have told ESPN that Mbappe has long been an admirer of Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp. And the 25-year-old forward has not rolled out a move to the Premier League. However, a move to Liverpool could prove difficult with the club unlikely to be able to afford his current wage of around 650,000 euros per week, which is a lot. It's now, not happening. He's going to Real Madrid. Well, hold on. Hold on. So so I was, I was just looking at Liverpool's finances because um, I am curious. Okay, well, who's on what wages? If they, let's say they wanted to make this work, how, how could it? What could they do here? Now, I don't have the exact exchange rate between pounds to euros, um, but I can tell you this. So Tiago is on 200,000 a week. He'll be out of contract at the end of the year. You know, maybe look, if you bring in Mbappe, maybe you can sell Darwin Nunez. He's on 140,000 a week. Salah presumably is going off to Saudi Arabia, which would make this possible. He's on 350,000 pounds a week. So, I mean, right there, bang. That's we. If those three things happen, Two of them almost definitely. The Nunez one, I don't know, but we'll see. Um, that's 690,000 pounds freed up right there per week. So, I, so I I, there, there's, if they want this, if they want this bad enough, I think that it can, I think it can be done. We'll see. I, I don't see it. That's all. Uh, no interest. I, I just like, I'm so sick of this. So sick of it. Yeah, let's see how sick you are when he's wearing red. <laughs> All right, then we'll see how sick you are. But um, speaking of wearing, final thing for me: what you we didn't talk about this earlier. What do you think of Arsenal's uh, kits, like that white on white? Um, I, I mean, the it's one of those where, like, my opinion. I mean, I don't like it. I, like visually, I don't think they're great. But like the 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 cause that it's for, and if it if it means people go go down a rabbit hole or or not a rabbit hole, but um, investigate why why they're wearing white, then it's a good thing. 
Um, but like, otherwise, no, I don't like them. I like well, the cause. The cause is very worthy. Well, why don't you tell us? Well, <clears throat> it's basically uh, to do with a rise in knife crime amongst young people and uh, knife crime, I say, knife violence, stabbings yeah. amongst uh, young people in London and um, maybe in North London in the, in, in the Ars- greater Arsenal catchment area. And it's basically trying to trying to get a, get awareness about this, trying to educate people, trying to dissuade people from carrying knives as weapons. And, and um, I have to say, I've been hearing about knife crime in England or in London in particular for 20 years, maybe. But it's obviously got particularly bad and um, to the point where Arsenal, in their role as a, a hub of the community, are trying to, to create awareness and trying to get it stopped. Yeah, it's to support the No More Red campaign is what it's called. And uh, yeah, it's ex- exactly what you said to uh, in the name of um, awareness on, on knife violence. So good for them. Um, I'm sure for an announcer, it probably isn't the easiest thing in the world. You can't oh, it's, really see. I, it's, it's uh, very, very tough. But, but look, like I you're said, right, like though, the, the cause is, is the, the cause is way part. better than the. Um, like I, and I, I would Arsenal not wearing red at home in an FA Cup tie would usually incense me as a proper football man. That is kind of why I ask because I, but not not <laughs> yeah. in this not in this case. Good, you didn't take the bait. You uh, well, there you go, JJ. That's a pod. That's a pod right there. Our thanks to Andrew Mangan uh, for joining us to talk a little bit about Arsenal and uh, some of their current struggles. We'll be back with another one sometime later this week. So keep your eyes open for that one as well. JJ, hey to you, I say. Check you later, fun boy. I'll see you. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. 